Hello and welcome back to the Home Bible Study Podcast. I hope that you have been enjoying the lessons as we have worked our way through the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, I have really enjoyed this uh, study and have gained so much personally from it. I hope that the Lord is doing the same thing for you. Uh, a lot of times when uh, we teach, those of us who teach these things, um, whether it be you teaching your family or um, in a uh, formal setting or one like this where um, at home speaking into a microphone, um, we, the Lord will take you through certain things to make the stuff that you're uh, studying to be even more front of mind, more relevant, to give you some practical experience so that when you share these things, that comes through somehow. And certainly that's been the case for uh, the letter to the Hebrews, particularly the section here about faith. And I've seen how that each week the Lord has brought me a step closer to a greater understanding and a little bit closer to knowing him and growing in grace and the knowledge of him. And I pray sincerely that that uh, also is your um, same uh, experience. So with that said, let's uh, jump into the lesson for today. We are in Hebrews chapter 11 and we um, have come to verse 24. Now, last time we looked at verse 23, which talked about the birth of Moses. And it focused more on Moses' purpose that God had for him and also the faith that was exhibited by his parents. And, you know, I said it then and I'll say it again that as parents, whether you be a father, a mother, a step parent, uh, grandmother, grandfather, it doesn't matter. We have such a strong influence on our children. And we have to utilize that in a way to present them to the Lord Jesus and present Jesus to them. It's very important. And I think we, you don't have to do anything extra. All you have to do is live a life of faith. And that will be seen, that will be felt, that will be known by them. But as the Lord puts it on your heart and leads you in how to minister, just know that that's a great responsibility and it's probably one of the most important ministries you'll have for your entire Christian life. So we saw how that Moses' parents exhibited faith from his birth. Now we're going to look more into the life of Moses. And I love the way that the writer to the, uh, of the letter of the Hebrews is going in chronological order, moving from the Genesis section, and now we move into the Exodus section. And if you're familiar with the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible that were actually dictated and written by Moses, uh, you'll know that they are very significant um, as far as uh, detailing the experience that God's people had with him and his experience with them. And um, it's just a real blessing to study those things. And maybe we'll do that here soon. But 
let's uh, jump into the lesson for today about Moses. So we're, we're moving into his life. We talked about his birth last time. And now we're going to look at the characteristics of his life and where he exhibited faith. Now, I'm sure that he exhibited faith uh, in several aspects of his life. And, you know, you can study Exodus and you can see that. But here, this the writer points out a few just highlights just to communicate this common theme of how faith affects our lives and those around us. I think that's the primary thrust of what's being um, given to us even now through the life of, of Moses. So starting in verse 24, if you have your Bibles, we're in Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to go ahead and read starting in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, and which the Egyptians assaying to do so were drowned. And I think we'll stop there. I think it's pretty ambitious for us to to get that far, but there's so much more here, and I qualify this by saying there's so much more here than uh, I'm probably even able to share, but I will certainly do my best. So in verse 24, it says, by faith, and that's the common theme of this chapter 11, by faith. We see by faith, by faith, over and over again. And it's because we need to understand it needs to be drilled into our brains that that's how we live by faith. And if you're doing anything or you want to do anything or you have aspired to do anything or desire to do anything, if you cannot put by faith in front of it, you probably should not be doing it. It's really that simple. Faith should be the color of our lives. And we see that uh, faith is uh, multifaceted and has many hues and shades, and uh, but it's still faith. And it should permeate our lives and people should know us by our faith. Uh, not just our, what we say, but also by how we live and what we do and what we don't say. So by faith, Moses. So here we are back in the life of Moses because he's such an integral part of the history of the nation Israel. And uh, we saw that at the very beginning of this letter uh, and here he shows up again. Um, Moses was a phenomenal leader. He had the compassion and the heart that I don't have words to describe. The patience that this man exhibited with millions of people who were basically, basically like bottle fed babies, little toddlers running around complaining about what they didn't have and how you know everything was terrible and nothing was good and he had to constantly be the voice of truth the voice of reason and to lead them from that mindset of 
you know, uh, kicking and screaming to, okay, this is what God has for us to do. And this is what we're going to do. And so he had, there was a, it was a huge burden placed upon him. As with any leader, if you're a parent, if you're a mother or father, if you are a leader at your, uh, the place where you're employed, you understand that there's a huge burden placed upon those who lead if you're going to do it properly. Because leaders should lead uh, empathetically and they have to make tough decisions and they have to be considerate. They have to be firm. There's a lot of things you have to be. And not, it's not popular. People, you're not going to please everybody all the time. In fact, if you're an effective leader, you probably won't please many people at all. But in the long run, they'll thank you for it, or they should. So by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, so this is, he grew up in Pharaoh's house, and now he came to full age. It means that's what it says when he came to years. He, he was an adult. It says that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, I don't think we understand what's being said here. It's really easy to read that, but let's take a moment to consider what that means. At the time, Egypt was the most powerful nation in the world, the wealthiest, the uh, smartest. They had the most advanced scientific uh, based society and culture that existed. Um, the Greeks got a lot of the knowledge and scientific knowledge that they uh, that they gained from the Egyptian library. So um, these people were extremely smart. They were not uh, cave people. They had a very modern society. They were able to light their house, their homes using mirrors to reflect the sun. They had created um, basically a time device based on the sun. They had a lot of things that they did. Now, they also were very, um, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, pagan. You know, they worshiped, they were polytheistic and they worshiped many gods and they worshiped the most grotesque and weird types of gods that you can think of and they because they were created by them influenced by satan so but it was a very advanced society and and pharaoh was the most powerful being or person um on the planet and we see and you have to understand that pictured in pharaoh is a, a type of satan because at the time Satan, and as he does throughout history, he will set up shop, he will set up a home base in some great civilization. And that's usually how they get great is because uh, of his influence and the things that they do. But it's very dark. It's a dark influence. But that's what we have here. Uh, throughout the Bible, Egypt is a type of the world. You know, if you look at Egypt, you can pretty much put the word world there because all that the world could offer was in Egypt. And Egypt represented all that the world could offer. And Pharaoh was the head of Egypt. And so Moses grew up 
under that influence, not the influence of his godly parents, but the influence of Pharaoh in Egypt. And he grew up as an Egyptian. But we see that God, when he wants to call someone, will call you out of whatever situation that you're in. It really doesn't matter. He is able to call us out of darkness into light. And that's what happened to Moses. He was called out of this darkness into light. He saw in Egypt no satisfaction. He had at his fingertips anything that he could have desired. And he discovered that in those things, there's no satisfaction. And you may have discovered that as well. And if you haven't, you will. The world just cannot offer us satisfaction. It can offer us just about anything else. Uh, money, fame, uh, notoriety, things, all kind of materialistic things, advanced technology, whatever. But there's no satisfaction. And all you need to do is talk to Bill Gates, to talk to um, Elon Musk. Look at their lives. These people are very wealthy, but they're very unsatisfied. Why is that? Because the world cannot satisfy us. We have a sin nature that cannot be satiated. It's full of desire with no satisfaction. You know, and if you really examine the, the sin nature, that's that's what you come up with. So Moses figured this out. God revealed this to him. That's not something that he could have figured out on his own. I should rephrase that. God revealed that to him. So faith reveals things. Faith will give us insight and vision into the truth of God like nothing else. So by faith, so that says that God has given him this faith, that assumes that God has interposed into his life at this time once he was he had come to four years. By faith, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So the world doesn't understand that. When we don't run after sin, when they say, hey, let's go do this and that, and we're like, no, I'm not interested, that's confusing. They're like, why not? Like, you're strange. You're weird. Yeah, but that's what faith is. Faith will separate us from the world, just like Moses' faith separated him from the world that he lived in. Uh, and he refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter. So why was that? In verse 25, it says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. So why would anyone do that? What could cause someone to choose to suffer affliction, right? Well, it's pretty simple. God has called us by faith to something very high, a very high calling. He has opened our eyes to be able to see him and to be able to see his love, his grace, his purpose, his purpose for us. And he's given us a satisfaction called his peace. Because in his peace, we find true 
satisfaction in his perfect peace that surpasses all understanding. And so much so that we would be willing to suffer affliction for him. Our love for him, our faith that connects and binds us to him, causes us to rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to, as it says here in verse 25, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So we're able to see the difference by faith. Faith allows us to be able to see God, who he is, who the Lord Jesus is, and what he has to offer versus sin. Now, the writer here was very honest. He said the pleasures of sin, because there is pleasure in sin. Now, let's just, you know, deal with the elephant in the room. If there wasn't pleasure in sin, no one would sin, right? There is a pleasure, but the key here is that to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Because sin is deceptive. Whenever we're tempted to take our eyes off the Lord Jesus and to place our eyes on sin or some sinful desire, if it means you know somebody cuts us off while we're driving and we want to yell at them and we want to retaliate or whatever, whatever the sin might be, there's a pleasure in that. We think or we see a pleasure in exhibiting or manifesting our sin nature, right? But the problem is it's only for a season. And how long that season lasts may vary. But what's at the end of that season is suffering. But it's not the kind of suffering that comes from love and the love of God like like Moses when he says, he's, I'd rather suffer affliction with the people of God. It's not the suffering that comes from being associated with God and the affliction uh, as the world rejects us and rejects our uh, faithful living. Um, it's not that kind of suffering. It's a different kind of suffering. Because sin always leads to suffering. And it's a terrible kind of suffering that could even last a lifetime. Okay, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit in that garden, that opened up a suffering to humanity like nothing else that has happened since. Uh, And we don't know that this one act of sin that we may do, this one time that we decide we're going to retaliate when somebody cuts us off, what that might lead to. Because we're not paying attention, then we end up causing an even worse accident and uh, injuring and even taking a life. And that would be a burden that we would have to live with. Um, that That's the kind of suffering that comes from sin. And we don't want that. God does not want that for us. He wants to protect us from that. Well, how do you do that? By keeping your eyes on him and not being distracted by sin. And I know that's that's not an easy thing to do. But what makes it doable, what gives us the then enables us to do it is faith.
And that's why faith is so important. It's so important for us just to keep our eyes on the Lord and walk in faith. Because it protects us and it keeps us in a place that's best for us. Does that mean you won't suffer affliction? No, you're going to suffer affliction. In fact, that's that's what's common to man. It's associated with the Lord Jesus. He said, they hated me, so they're going to hate you. That's how it works. And we are going to have to live a life that's a life of affliction. It's just that simple. We have to accept that. But there is a blessing associated with that that there's not associated with sin. There's no blessing associated with sin. The only thing associated with sin is death, hell, and an eternity in the lake of fire. Nothing good is associated with sin. And that's why the Lord Jesus came to do away with sin and to deliver us. Even as he delivered Moses and by faith, Moses was able to see these things that to be associated with Pharaoh's daughter meant to be associated with sin and death. And he said, I'd rather suffer affliction with the people of God. Only faith can do that. Only faith can give us that kind of sight. In verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. So here we see that Moses made a very conscious decision based on faith. Based Faith, remember, that's the evidence of things unseen. Based on that evidence of things unseen, he decided that it would be better to suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. So what does that mean? That means that he held the Lord Jesus Christ in high regard. In fact, he thought that it was a great honor and a great blessing to be associated with Christ in any way, even if it meant to suffer. And that's very similar to what we see in the life of Paul. We also see that in the life of the apostles. And one particular uh, time that we see this exact same principle played out in their lives is in Acts chapter 5. In this chapter, um, they were um, arrested for preaching the gospel. And so the members of the Sanhedrin, the leaders, the Jewish leaders at the time, uh, decided that they would try to get them to uh, stop preaching the gospel. And uh, the apostles, of course, refused to do it. And then it says, in, and then Gamaliel gave counsel to them saying, hey, look, if this is really not of God, then it'll go away. But if it is of God, you know, you're not going to be able to stop it. So uh, in verse uh, chapter five, Acts chapter 5, verse 40, it says, and to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. 
and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. So here we see this, this principle that goes all the way back to Moses that still is in play, that was in play during the time of the apostles, and it's in play now in our lives. It's all faith. Faith is the same, just like Jesus is the same, because faith comes from him. So here we see uh, the same principle where um, these men esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of the entire world. They're like, hey, Sanhedrin, you can't tell us not to preach Christ. We have to preach him. He's God. We have to. We're compelled you know, by the, the Spirit of God to, to preach the truth. We must do this. And the same thing was true here with Moses because it says he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. So makes me just wonder, you know, what about us? Can you see evidence in your life where you are confronted with the opportunity to either represent the Lord Jesus in your life or not? And by taking a stand and proclaiming the truth, it's going to cost you something. It always does. But guess what? These men, Moses, the apostles, they learned a valuable lesson. It's better to esteem the reproach of Christ than to esteem anyone else. I think the best way to put it is there's going to be fear involved, right? You're going to be afraid. But it's better to be afraid and to fear and reverence God than to fear what any man can do to you. Because they really can't do anything. Fear the one who, don't fear the person who can take your life. Fear the one who can take your life and eternally damn you to hell. And fortunately, we can take a stand not because of we're afraid of what God is going to do, because we don't want to disappoint him. He's done so much for us. It should compel us. It should constrain us by love to want to share that with other people. And if they don't want to hear it, so be it. But don't let anyone cause you to back down from what you know to be true. You stand. Having done everything else, you take a stand. And you stand on the truth that you know. And God will always honor that. You're, you're glorifying him with your life when you do that. Moses did it. He took a stand against the Egypt. That's taking a direct stand against the world, against Satan himself. And God was there the whole time. The Lord Jesus walked him through the process, just like he's going to walk us through the process. So whenever your heart starts racing and you're worried about what might happen, just ignore that. By faith, you can. By faith, you can take a stand and you can proclaim the truth. And you can let people know what's important to you, who's important to you, even the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a great, great blessing waiting for you in that, if you'll do it. A great blessing, one that I can't even articulate. So that's that's the impotence or what, you know, 
pushed or drove Moses' decision that he chose to suffer with the people of God. And it's because he esteemed the reproach of Christ. He thought it to be uh, of great value to be associated with the Lord Jesus, to be associated with God, even the hatred that would come because of it. And it says, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. And it's interesting, the next part it says, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. So here we see that he not only chose this to be associated with God and the reproach that was going to come with it, but he also knew that there's a reward associated with that. And that's the same principle that the writer to the of this letter has been telling us that we have heavenly blessings. We have blessings beyond our comprehension. And even Jesus said, he said, don't store up riches here on earth where moth and thieves can take them. Store your riches up in heaven. Well, how do you do that? You do it by serving him. When we take a stand and we serve him, when we walk by faith, we're literally storing up treasure for ourselves. There are rewards associated with the life that we live here when we live a life in faith. That's why he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Faith is a key component to the eternal rewards that await us. Does it affect our salvation? No. Once you're saved, it doesn't matter what you do after that. You're always saved. That's, that's because you're saved. But I promise you that once you get to heaven, okay, once you get to heaven and you're standing before the Lord Jesus, you will never be satisfied with the life that you lived for him. Never. It's, it's just not possible. Because at that time, we're going to have a perfect understanding of all that he's done for us. And anything that we've suffered in this life will seem like nothing in comparison. So am I asking you to go out and purposely do something that will cause you harm? No, no. But what I am saying is if the Lord tells you to go, you go. If he tells you to stay, you stay. Look to him for everything and he will lead you and he'll lead you in love. And there's great reward associated with that. Great, great reward. If nothing else, just to know him and the fellowship of his suffering to. To get to be closer to the Lord Jesus and to receive some of the great blessings that await us in our relationship to him and just our being close and to know him and our knowledge of him we can have all of that now and the way that that happens is by taking a stand and to walk in the path that he has uh, set out for us and Moses did that Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of reward so if Moses knew that then, how much more do we have? Because Moses is all of the um, rewards that he looked for were earthly. 
you know, they were earth-based blessings. We have heavenly blessings far greater than those that he was motivated by. So we have no excuse for not serving the Lord Jesus with our lives. Very important. Verse 27, by faith, we're still talking about Moses. He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So he forsook Egypt. So he turned away from the world. He turned away from all that the world could offer, the pleasures of sin and that are only momentary, um, temporary type pleasures that lead to great pain and suffering uh, and even death. He forsook that you know, by faith. Faith allows us to be able to walk in the light of the truth. Faith allows us to see the Lord Jesus and to be so uh, focused on him that nothing else can distract us. That's what faith does. That's why we need to walk by faith. It's very important. And he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Well, yeah, there's going to be wrath. If you turn away from the world, there's going to be wrath. The world doesn't like that. The world does not, is no friend of faith. In fact, they are diametrically opposed to one another. Faith and the world are diametrically opposed to each other. But we should walk by faith. We should not be afraid of the wrath of this world because really they can't do anything to us. The Lord is always with us. Even if you look around you and it seems like everything is literally falling apart. The Lord Jesus has grace for you and he's going to keep you in a place of protection. And he's only going to allow things to come to you that will help you to grow and be closer to him and to learn more about who you are in him and to grow your faith. That's why these things come to our lives. And if we could just focus on that, we will start rejoicing in the fact that whatever it is, the Lord has brought it to us and it's going to be for our good. It may not smell good. It may not taste good. It may not feel good. But because he brought it in our lives, we know that it's good. It's very important. So how do you do that? How do you endure, you know, when all of the things, all the people around you are telling you to do the opposite of what you know is right? When it's easier to do wrong than it is to stand for what's right? How do you endure the consequences of standing for your faith? How do you get through that? Well, he's telling us right here. He says, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. So the fear is taken away because faith will take fear away. Okay, it's very important. If we walk by faith, we're encouraged, we're empowered. We're looking at Jesus. There's, then the fear goes away because there's nothing to make us afraid if we keep our eyes on him. It doesn't matter what's going on. Okay, so so that's the key. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured. How? As seeing him who is invisible. So the one who's invisible to the world 
is not invisible to us. We see Jesus. We know him. We hear him. He's with us. He is in us. He is guiding us. He is always present. And if we just keep our eyes on him, we can endure anything. We really can because he has grace to get us through whatever consequences come from living by faith. And there will be consequences. There will be wrath. And there will be people who oppose you just because you're a believer. But that's okay. That's okay. You you were like them once. So you have empathy for them. You pray for them. And you pray that the Lord minister to them. If it be through you or someone else. Because that's what they need. And that's all they're telling you by their wrath. They're showing you that they need the Lord Jesus. So you keep your eyes on him and he will deliver you. I promise you. I promise you. He promises you. That's the word of God promises this. So trust that. So that's how we are able to um, endure. Just like Moses back then, just like those apostles, we do it by keeping our eyes on the Lord Jesus as seeing him who is invisible. Uh, Jesus is the physical representation of the invisible God. Everything that God is, Jesus is. And we have him. We have him. And we have access to him through faith in God the Holy Spirit that binds us to him. The only thing that separates us from that, that faith is sin. Right? That pleasure for a season separates us from from this wonderful connection. Think about that. Verse 28. Through faith, he, I'm talking about Moses again, through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So he was given a commandment that they were to uh, eat the Passover feast. And remember, the Passover is a feast. And they were given specific instructions. God gave instructions to Moses, and Moses gave instruction to the people. And this Passover was going to be their deliverance. This was going to be the final deliverance from the bondage of Egypt. This is how he was going to deliver them through this Passover and through faith all those who kept the Passover who believed God who believed his word who trusted and acted on uh, this belief through faith they kept the Passover Moses was one of those he kept the Passover he did as it was instructed and you know, we're not going to study the Passover, but there's a lot of things in the Passover that all point to the Lord Jesus, that point to his ultimately delivering all his people from sin. But here we have the beginning of that. And isn't it a blessing the way that the Lord Jesus gives us these things that are types or pictures of greater things? It just reassures us that the things that we're learning now the things that we're learning about him are just pictures of greater things. 
we have far greater things awaiting us than we can imagine. So here we see Moses, he kept the Passover, verse 28, and the sprinkling of blood. We've already talked about the significance of blood, how that uh, there is no uh, remission of sin without uh, the shedding of blood, and this sprinkling of blood was oh so significant, and there's so much uh, that can be said about that. But just to understand that the Passover and the deliverance was not without blood. Those two things go together. And it says, uh, and the sprinkling of blood, lest, unless he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So everybody who had the blood on the doorposts, the death angel would pass over. And the firstborn of all those who didn't have that blood died. And that's a clear picture of the ultimate deliverance of the Lord Jesus of his people, that the blood of Christ, this sprinkling of blood, uh, which speaks so well of, uh, of him and all that he did for us, uh, this sprinkling of blood is our deliverance. It's, it's a picture of the, the eternal salvation that's in him that he shed his blood ultimately to save all of those whom the Father has given him. All of those in, in the past, all of those in the future. Anyone who will be named by the name of the Lord Jesus um, has to be delivered through him and by him. And his sacrifice on the cross and that shedding of blood is the, the key to that deliverance. Even as it was so prominently uh, a part of the Passover. And if you didn't have that blood on the doorpost, then the death angel would kill your firstborn. Every firstborn in Egypt and anyone who didn't obey that instruction, their firstborn died. Death came. Um, in verse 29, we see another uh, example of faith in the life of Moses. It says, by faith, they, now we're talking about the, the nation Israel. Now we're at the point where they've left Egypt. Egypt has given them uh, all anything they wanted, gold, whatever they wanted. They said, just take it and leave. They finally got to the point to where the message was received and the deliverance now has come. And they're delivered. It's a great deliverance with all the spoil of Egypt, they they left with. But as we know, they didn't get far before um, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he sent uh, his uh, troops and his army after the nation Israel to destroy them as they just walked uh, away. And they came to the Red Sea. And we all know the story of how you know, the Egyptians were behind them coming rapidly and they had the Red Sea in front of them and it all seemed to be lost. And the people started to panic. What does Moses do? Moses steps up and he says, hey, fear not. The same God that has delivered you uh, from the death angel, the same God who um, brought all those plagues to Egypt, the same God that has given you all of this Wealth, as you have left, that same God is going to deliver us right now. And it wasn't the faith of the people 
that delivered them. It was the faith of Moses. Moses representing the people. And here we see how Moses steps into the role of being a type of Christ, how that he represented all the people. And even when they were, uh, you know, in fear and saying how they should have never left and, you know, you brought us all the way here to die, Moses interceded on their behalf. And it says here in verse 29, by faith, they, uh, the nation Israel, passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Now, there's a lot of people who contend with the, the facts of this. They'll say, oh, no, it didn't really happen. And there's it's not possible. You know, I'm not here to argue that. The Bible says it happened. I believe God. I don't. My perception of God is such to where I understand that anyone who can create the universe with his fingertips can easily perform this miracle. Now, was it an amazing miracle? Yes, it still is to this day. But for God, this was nothing. And when we understand and have a right understanding of who God is, who the God is that we serve, even the Lord Jesus, the more we study his word and understand who he is, uh, the depths and the breadth of which we can't even comprehend, but we can comprehend enough of it, enough of him through his word to know who it is that we serve. And when you grow in grace like that, you know, when somebody comes at you with, you know, being wrathful and trying to treat you uh, wrongfully just because you serve the Lord Jesus, because you're a believer, uh, because you won't bow down to the world and uh, to their level, uh, that you maintain a um, high level of um, of being and consciousness because of the Lord Jesus and your faith in him then you don't worry about those kind of people because you understand who you serve. Just like Moses understood when they got to that point, he was like, hey, let me show y'all who y'all serve. And this is who we serve. And he called out to the Lord and the Lord delivered them in this way. So he parted the Red Sea he, so that they could walk across on dry land. Now it's one thing to imagine the sea being parted and the ground being wet and muddy and but it was dry it was completely dry and that was amazing in and of itself but the thing that I find even more interesting is it says by faith they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land which the Egyptians a saying to do or attempting to do the same thing were drowned. That is a huge um, concept, a very important concept that we need to grasp is that the things that God does for us, the things that he performs for us uh, and the life that he's given us through faith, it's not something that translates to people who don't know the Lord Jesus. Unsaved people cannot do the things that we do. They cannot do the things that we can do by faith. They don't have faith to be able to see. They don't have faith to know. 
They are dead in their trespasses, trespasses and sins. We are alive in Christ through faith. So there is a difference. The interesting thing is that we can sin just like they do, but they can't live a life of faith like us. So we can go down to their level. They cannot come up to our level. So why would we ever want to go down? Once God has brought us up and placed us on this plane of existence, of knowing him, of being able to fellowship with him through God, the Holy Spirit, and having knowledge and understanding that we couldn't have otherwise to have this life in Christ. Why would we want to go backwards? Why would we want to go back to death? Why would we want to go back to sin and ignorance and not knowing him? No, we don't want that. But it's very important for us to understand that now because of God, the Holy Spirit, we have two natures. We have the nature that comes to us through Christ and we have our old nature. And there's a constant war between those two. But faith allows us to be victorious. If you want to know what the victorious life is, it's a life that's lived by faith. It has nothing to do with material uh, gain or anything like that. It has to do with gaining the Lord Jesus and, and knowing him and understanding who he is and becoming more like him through faith. And here we see that God delivered the nation Israel. And it was uh, by faith, by the faith of Moses, they were able to um, pass through the Red Sea as if it was dry land. And when the Egyptians tried to do the same thing, they were drowned, led to their death. So they were able to see the nation Israel walking across on dry land. They, they witnessed it, just like the unsaved people can witness you doing things that they don't understand. Like, how is it that they have this or they're able to do this and I'm not able to do it? Because they think that you're just like them. They don't know the difference. They may notice something is different about you, but their understanding is that, hey, we're basically the same. So why is it that they're getting this or this is uh, coming to them and not to me? And it causes them to hate us. It causes them to hate us, particularly if you will not join in their sin because you're making them to be conscious of the fact that they are sinners, that that is wrong because you won't enter into it. But it's better to suffer the reproach of Christ, the reproach for doing right, the reproach for living by faith than it is to enjoy sin for a season. That is the war that we fight. That is the battle that is a part of our lives. And all believers have this battle. The more we trust the Lord and follow his instructions, the more we know him, the closer we get to him. Does that mean you may uh, suffer? It means you will suffer, not may. That's what it means. But it's the kind of suffering that brings you closer to the Lord Jesus and it's the kind of suffering that's good for us.
it's, if it wasn't good for us, he wouldn't bring it to us. And believe me, whatever you're suffering, you're suffering it through uh, a grace filter. Jesus only allows the suffering come that, to come to us that's necessary or needed. Not the full suffering that we deserve. We never receive that, ever. So keep that in mind. By faith, by faith, Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasure of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of the treasures of Egypt. And he endured. And we can endure by keeping our eyes on the Lord Jesus, who's invisible to the world, but not to us. And all he asks us to do is to be obedient to his word, follow his instructions. That's it. If God is telling you to do something, do it. And do it just like he tells you. And if he's not telling you to do something, don't do it. Wait on him. Just constantly look to him through faith and he will provide the answer. He will provide the way out. That's what he's faithful to do that. And he has a purpose in doing it. And before you know it, you'll be walking across the Red Sea as on dry land. You will be accomplishing things that you had no idea were even possible. And others will see it. Others will see it and they won't understand. Some of them are going to ask you, how, how do you do that? And that's going to be your opportunity to witness to them and tell them, well, it's through the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, that's when we get our opportunity to glorify him. That's why he creates these scenarios in our lives. And it's important for us to just be faithful and trust him. So here we have the account of Moses and how that faith was exhibited throughout his life. Like I said, there's a lot more to learn about Moses and there's a lot more that he did to um, exhibit faith. But these are just a few of the highlights. And I pray that we would be encouraged by the life of Moses, that we would see in him ourselves, that he was just a man who trusted God and God did amazing things through him. And if you're a man, woman, or child who trusts the Lord Jesus, he'll do amazing things through you. Just be obedient, look to him, and watch and see how that he glorifies himself through you. Let's close. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, for your word, and how that you have um, chosen people like Moses, apostles like us, people who are just uh, undeserving sinners. And you have given us to your son, the Lord Jesus. And he has done all that needs to be done to redeem us and to make us to be right before you in him. And we thank you for that, Father. We pray, Father, that you would have us to, like Moses, trust you 
and that others will see our faith in our lives and that it would minister to them and that you'd be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.